Welcome to Life Study of the Bible with Witness Lee, brought to you by Living Stream Ministry. Witness Lee faithfully served the Lord for more than seven decades, co-laboring with Watchman Nee in China in the first half of the 20th century, before continuing his ministry in Taiwan, later in America, and eventually over the entire earth. He spoke these weekly Life Study messages before thousands of people, and much of his speaking has been published as over 400 titles. These life studies are perhaps his most significant work, taking 21 years for him to complete, and we're happy today to be able to bring you selected portions from those messages. If you'd like to find out more about his ministry, about the life studies themselves, and Living Stream Ministry, please visit our website, lsm.org. Now let's join today's program. We may not think of ourselves as particularly crafty or skillful negotiators in a worldly sense, but oh, how we bargain with the Lord. There are a lot of examples of subtle bargaining with God in the Bible, but the story of Pharaoh in Egypt found in the book of Exodus is a particularly striking one, for Pharaoh can at one time represent Satan, but also represent ourselves or even our family members. There's a lot for us to relate to on today's program. And joining us again for fellowship as we find ourselves privy to some very tactical negotiations is Ron Kangas. Brother Ron, welcome back to the program. I'm glad to be back. I'm happy to participate not only in the editing of the printed volumes, but in adding some measure of fellowship now in the radio version of this wonderful ministry. Today, we're coming back, Ron, to this conflict that took place between God and Pharaoh. Initially, it seems that the Lord's demand to Pharaoh was clear enough, very straightforward, let my people go, that they may hold a feast unto me in the wilderness. He tells him in Exodus 5, I think, verse 3. But it takes 10 long chapters and 12 different encounters before this ultimately takes place. What are we really looking at here, Ron? Well, we commented in previous programs that we're looking at a further training of Moses. We're also looking at an exposure of the enemy's stubbornness. And especially, we're looking at God's way of doing things. We would suspect that God would come in, give the command. If Pharaoh resists, then God just destroys Egypt and obliterates Pharaoh. And then the children of Israel make their exodus. But God purposely allowed for a long, complicated, drawn-out exchange between Satan and himself, or, looking at it in human terms, between Pharaoh and Moses. So, in these chapters, we see Pharaoh's subtle bargaining, and we also see God's firm resolve and insistence that his will be done. And in this record of bargaining and response, there is a lot for us to learn. The Pharaoh, who is deep in us, in ourself, is exposed, and God is revealed, and we come to know both the enemy and God and his ways 
as we would not have otherwise known them if God had acted according to our natural or religious expectation. So as we tune in to the message, there is much for us to realize concerning ourselves and concerning how to deal with the enemy in our environment and concerning our God who, when he makes up his mind to do something, will certainly do it. Well, Ron, this battle in this negotiation is going to unfold in a very marvelous way. The object of it apparently was the separation of Israel from this Egyptian captivity. That's the topic of our first portion today. Let's join Witness Lee. Tonight, I feel burdened to see one thing that is a real picture of God the mind. God the mind was that Pharaoh had to let the children of Israel go out of Egypt. Not only out of Egypt, but also to uh, take three days journey. Three days signifies resurrection. In the three days, there was the crossing of the Red Sea. And the crossing of the Red Sea was just a process of the burial and resurrection. In the eyes of God, and in the eyes of Satan, even in the eyes of the Egyptians, those children of Israel were really buried there. Because Pharaoh and his hosts, his armies, and all the Egyptian forces were buried under the Red Sea. So the children of Israel passed through that. Then they rose up. They passed through the burial and they entered into resurrection. Between Egypt and wilderness, between the world and the separation, there must be a burial and a resurrection. Hallelujah. We were all there in Egypt. We were all there in the world. But by the process of being buried and resurrected, we passed a distance from the world into the wilderness, a situation of a full separation. This is God the mind. There to be separated is not the goal. The goal is the children of Israel may hold a feast to God, to enjoy God, and to enjoy God with God. This is to hold a feast unto God. Then also, to sacrifice unto Him. This is more meaningful. The dear Son of God, our Lord Jesus, He is the sacrifice. At the feast with God, Lord Jesus was so dear, so precious. Our heart, our emotion, our depth of our being has been really touched by him. We would say, oh God, I thank you for your dear son. Oh Father, I thank you for the Lord Jesus. Do you know what it is? This is to offer the dear, precious Christ to God as a sacrifice. He is so dear to you, so precious to you. When you sacrifice him to God the Father, God the Father was pleased. 
was satisfied. Not only by you, but by you through these sacrifices. They will feast to me, and they will sacrifice unto me. They and I, we will enjoy each other together. This is marvelous. This is the full salvation. And this is God divine. Ron, the journey of the children of Israel through the Red Sea into the wilderness surely represents a lot of things. Among the prominent, obviously, is this matter of separation from the world, uh, typified by Egypt. Most believers, I think, self-included, do struggle with this matter from time to time. But I thought it was very helpful to hear this separation itself is not God's goal, but rather separation has a goal. Ron, what is the goal of separation from the world? The Bible clearly says that the people were to hold a feast unto the Lord in the wilderness. From that, we might be inclined to conclude that feasting in the wilderness, a realm of separation, is the goal. But that's not the case because other scriptures clearly indicate the goal was not the wilderness. The goal was the good land of Canaan, the land flowing with milk and honey, the land which in type signifies the all-inclusive Christ. In this land, God has a kingdom and God has a dwelling place. That's the goal. The goal is the dwelling place of God and the kingdom of God produced through God's people's enjoyment of the riches of Christ. Why then the separation? Well, before the children of Israel entered into the good land, they needed a certain training, and they needed certain experiences, and they needed some preparation. They needed to receive the revelation given on the mountain. They needed a change of diet and a change of spiritual constitution. They needed to build up the tabernacle as the temporary and portable dwelling place of God. So let's put it this way. The goal of separation was revelation, constitution, and preparation. A revelation of God's purpose constitution with the heavenly food, and preparation by learning certain basic lessons and by being formed into an army to enter into the land, to gain it, to cultivate it, and to build up God's dwelling place in it. Frankly, countless genuine believers redeemed by the blood of Christ, regenerated by the Spirit, have no clear view of the goal of their redemption. And one reason for that, we believe, is the lack of the separation experienced in type by the children of Israel. We need to take a three days journey out of Egypt into the wilderness, a journey through death and resurrection, which brings us to a place where we can see and understand the divine revelation, begin to feed on Christ, and be prepared to go on with the Lord to his goal, 
which is not heaven, but the all-inclusive Christ for our experience and enjoyment, the issue being the building of the dwelling place of God and the establishing on earth of the kingdom of God. Ron, you concluded by uh, bringing this separation very much down to our level as it affects us. Now we're going to look at this conflict that's going on, the negotiations between God and Pharaoh, and see it also applied to our experience. Let's join Witness Lee. Let's see what was Pharaoh's subtle bargaining. Satan is subtle. Our self is also subtle. The natural man of our parents is subtle. The natural man of the husband is subtle. And the natural man of the wives is subtle. And the natural man of our flesh brothers, of our in-laws, cousins, schoolmates, also subtle. And it's natural. That is subtle. That is Pharaoh. Pharaoh is nearly everywhere. A number of times, the wives do know there is God, but the wives would reject God in mind. The husband told the wife that he got the call from God. Then the wife said, who is God? Why well, I should listen to his call to you. But deep within, the wife knew by that time there was God. Who denied God in Pharaoh? Satan. Didn't Satan know that there was God? He knew too well. When the first time we heard the gospel, something within you, so subtle, saying, who is God? Why oh, I have to listen to him. Why doesn't he listen to me? Some of you did this kind of thing. Who is God? I'm God. Who is the Redeemer? I'm the Redeemer. Don't think this too much. Many young students today reasoning with God in this way. All this subtle bargaining brought in a plague. God would never argue with you, but God is so good. He just sent a plague. Not one among us was very quick without any hesitation in receiving the gospel. We all have been hesitating, considering, bargaining. Is there God? Why I have to listen to him? Why he would not listen to me? And this and that. What came? Plague. Again and again and again. Ron, this is a word I think most of us can relate to pretty easily. The effect of God's call, at least on our natural man, is usually to trigger some kind of subtle bargaining or rationalization. Sometimes a more extreme response might be rebellion, but most of the time, we will enter into an elaborate negotiation with the Lord. And with us, as with Pharaoh, this subtle bargaining usually brings in a not-too-pleasant result. Ron, what is it that the Lord generally measures out to our subtle or clever negotiations with him? Well, what did he measure out to Pharaoh and the Egyptians but a series of plagues? Uh, some of them we could classify as nuisances, you know, like frogs hopping all over the place. Others, quite awesome and terrifying. So what happens to us? The Lord makes his will known, and we resist and therefore bargain. For a period of time, the Lord doesn't say anything. 
He just sends a plague. Our car breaks down. Or uh, we have a problem with our health. Or there's a difficulty in the family. Or there's hardship at work. Or there's even unexpected weather. These are not accidental. These are, quote, plagues sent to us by God as a way of subduing us and defeating us and weakening us so that eventually we will stop bargaining and start obeying. If we have light on this and consider our experience uh, in this light, we will realize we've experienced a lot of plagues, some little ones, some big ones, some uh, brief ones, some long ones. Why these plagues? Because of our resistance and our bargaining. And the Lord doesn't force us, but he uses the environmental things to plague us until we just stop our bargaining. So consider your situation. Have you been bargaining recently? The Lord wants something of you. The Lord wants you to do something. He wants you to serve him. And instead of saying a simple yes or a simple no, you bargain with him. Can't you identify now some plagues in your environment? These plagues are going to go on and on until you give in. So why not be simple and give in? But the fact is we're not simple and we don't give in and we go on bargaining. But God doesn't give in either. He has a way to gain what he wants. Well, Brother Ron, reading this portion again, it seems this Pharaoh was uh, quite a resilient character. Uh, he had a lot of stay power, but he's up against a mighty adversary. Let's go back to Witness Lee for a very brief section. This is a picture. And this is your picture. This picture is repeated every day. Pharaoh's subtle bargaining. Wherever you go to preach the gospel, this picture will be there. If we expect just in one meeting, people will be saved thoroughly. I dare not to say there's not such a case, but not too often. All the cases are cases of struggling of bargaining, of hesitating. But, hallelujah, this demanding God is very insisting. You can never change him. God is very stubborn. Once he demands you to do anything, don't argue with him. He can be patient, waiting with you for 10 years. After 10 years, he said, I still want you to do the same thing. Oh, Lord, I thought... You may have changed your mind after 10 years. He would say, no, no. The years never changed my mind, just strengthen my mind. Go ahead to do the same thing. With some of the things God has been waiting for me 40, 50 years. After 40 years, the Lord still say, go to do the same thing. I told you already 40 years ago. The heaven earth all will pass, but my will remain the same. God is very insistent. Pharaoh, you have to know, you can never change him. Nine plagues sent already. You still wouldn't uh, 
let me have what I want. Now I give you the last plague. Every family, the firstborn was killed and killed at the same time, in the same night. Ron Farrow certainly found something out about God. It's very hard to wait him out. This is something I think we eventually discover ourselves, isn't it, Ron? I would emphasize your word eventually. God is the I am. He's the self-existing, ever-existing one. And we happen to be temporal, uh, temporary, created, finite beings. We simply cannot outweigh God. I wouldn't say simply that it's hard. I would say it's impossible. That's all God has to do to defeat us is just to do nothing but wait until we're too tired or we have exhausted our resources. The Bible has many verses in a positive way, and Andrew Murray has written a book about many of them, concerning our waiting on God, in which we acknowledge that we are nothing and he is everything, and we wait on him to fulfill his word. I wouldn't say that God waits on us, but he may wait for us. Wait for our natural man to just stop. Wait for our stubborn will to soften. Wait for us to say, Yes, Lord. Amen, Lord. Your will be done, Lord. Eventually, the waiting God will subdue all the subtle bargaining of all the pharaohs in this universe. What a wise God, the waiting God is. Ron, we have a uh, kind of a change in direction here in this final portion. God eventually uh, prevails against Pharaoh as he does against us, and the result is very interesting. Let's go back to Witness Lee. Israel plundered the Egyptian. This is why when they were asked to build a tabernacle, using all silver and gold, they did it. Where they got this? From Egypt. Pharaoh used them to build all cities for them. Pharaoh didn't pay them anything. So this is not a borrowing. This is a clearing of the account. So the last plague not only forced Pharaoh and Egyptians to drive out all Israel, but also caused them, made them to give whatever Israel requested. Isn't this wonderful? Hallelujah. I also saw a lot of cases, many who have been called by the Lord, who have been really saved by the Lord. They did bring out of the world a lot of things and piled up together as a waste to God. You still remember that word of Judas, the betrayer? When he saw that Mary broke that alabaster and then poured out the ointment upon the Lord Jesus, Judas said, why so waste? Why wouldn't we sell this for 30? 
daughters to take care of the poor. Why you waste so much on this one person? This is the plundering. The plundering of the physical wealth of this world. And put all what has been plundered upon the Lord Jesus. That's a waste. This is the love sign of our being saved. Whatever we have plundered out of the world, we put together, and that became God's dwelling place. We not only left Egypt, we not only wouldn't leave anything in the world, we even rather plundered so much out of the world, and we put whatever we plundered together upon the Lord as a token of our love to him. And this would become just his dwelling place upon this earth. Well, Ron, as we said, eventually God prevailed against this subtle and very stubborn Pharaoh, and his people Israel get out. But there's another result. Egypt was plundered by the Hebrews as well. This plundering in a book so rich with types and symbols as Exodus must represent something in our experience. The Lord knew that to build the tabernacle would require materials. So, in their leaving Egypt, the children of Israel, having found favor with their Egyptian neighbors, plundered them of their riches. These riches represent the worldly wealth and all the human capacities of the world which need to, with us, pass through death and resurrection and then be offered to God for the building up of his dwelling place. We should not simply leave the world system. Rather, we should plunder the world system and bring with us all the practical things that are needed to build up God's dwelling place and to carry out his work. So these are at least a few comments on the practical significance of the plundering of Egypt. Well, Ron, as always, I very much enjoyed our fellowship again. I hope you'll come back soon and we'll do this one more time. I hope in the Lord to be back rather soon, Chris. Today for Ron Kangas, I'm Chris Wilde. Thank you for listening. Thank you for listening to Life Study of the Bible with Witness Lee, brought to you by Living Stream Ministry. Witness Lee spent seven decades in the 20th century speaking Christ, first in Asia and then North America, eventually all over the world. The culmination of those 70 years of ministry was his Life Study of the Bible, an exhaustive exposition of the entire scriptures. This unique commentary focuses on how Christ can be life to man in an experiential and practical way. These programs encapsulate Witnessly speaking in just 26 minutes. But to get the complete riches, visit lifestudy.com. From there you can read all of the Life Study messages in their entirety or download any of our more than 1,700 audio programs at no cost. Again, that website is lifestudy.com. 
Thanks for listening.